my name's Andreas Kambanis, and I'm the founder behind a company that's created a number of best-selling apps, such as Caveman Feast in the Store. And we are currently looking for some extra developers, so if that's you, then uh, just Google my name, Andreas Kambanis, and get in touch. And you're now listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I am your host, it's Paul Kemp, and it's my pleasure to go and scour the world and look for some of the best speakers, the best experts that we can find and we can help use in our own businesses. And so I I do this uh, three times a week, and today is a great guest. I'm really looking forward to uh, really understanding a lot about startups, creative ideas, and licensing. Uh, the guest we have on today is Stephen Key. Stephen Key, he is the author of One Simple Idea, and uh, he writes for entrepreneur.com and develops and licenses product ideas. Uh, he actually gets paid for ideas, which is uh, something uh, us app developers uh, strive for. So uh, he is an expert in uh, inventing and licensing. And, and Stephen, it's a wonderful and warm welcome to you on the App Guy podcast. Thank you very much, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here. It would be great to just uh, get an insight into all the different things that you've done. If you could summarize that in a few minutes, just give us a bit of background about yourself and, and what it is you're getting up to. Well, just a, that's a very tough question, but let me, let me try. I'm a guy that comes up with ideas, and I'm not the most creative person, but I come up with ideas and I pitch them to companies. And if they like my ideas, they license or let's say rent my ideas and pay me. They pay a royalty for every one they sell. And I always felt that uh, I started 30 years ago and I always thought if I can show a company how they can make uh, money, that they would pay me for that. And they do. And it's worked out extremely well. So I guess I'm a inventor slash product developer slash opportunist there you go <laughs> yeah but what, what amazes me is that you've been what doing this for 30 years well i was in college and i was an economics major and i hated it and by chance i took an art class my basically first one and i just loved creating things and I went home and told my dad I wanted to be an artist, and he was like, are you out of your mind? And so I switched over to another school and became uh, an art major, and I thought, what am I going to do for a living? And I just started making things and selling them at street fairs, and and the rest is history. It's been a blast. I've uh, just found, a, a, I guess, um, I just realized very early on that companies need creative people and they need freelancers and in all different categories. So I just started coming out with ideas and showing them the companies and they would pay me a royalty for that. It's just such an inspirational story. I know that we'll have people listening right now who are perhaps just uh, finishing college, university, education. And, you know, it can be stifling at some times uh, in terms of creativity. And there is a real um, increase in the uh, I guess the, the appetite to go and work for a startup because we're often perceiving startups or companies like Google, um, you know, they, they seem to have like this creative flair and we want to 
release to the world our own creativity. Why is it, do you think, that companies do stifle innovation and don't seem to have a, a way of getting ideas to the top? Well, I think the most creative people um, don't truly fit into corporate America. <laughs> okay, so, and they're not rewarded for their creativity. So I think a lot of us um, creative um, types just don't fit in. So uh, we're, I guess we've become freelancers in such a way. I, I believe that most creative people have always felt that either I have to work for somebody or start my own company. And that's not true. Um, what I've realized, there's, there's, a, there's things in between, such as licensing. I visited uh, one of the top design schools and I saw this just wonderful creative um, products coming out, of the, coming out of the students. And I asked the professor, you know, what are all these students doing with these great ideas? And he says, well, they throw them away. And I was really surprised that they didn't realize there's another avenue for, for us, that, that um, people that are creative, that we don't have to work for somebody else. And we don't actually have to start a company either. We can license our ideas to, to companies and use their speed to market, use their power of distribution, use their, um, in fact, use everything they have. They're the best partner in the world. And that's what... You know, this is this is so interesting, Stephen, because the audience is made up of uh, indie app developers or uh, entrepreneurs, business owners, and myself as well. I've often believed that there's only two avenues for us to make money: either we run our own company and build our own apps and sell them, or build apps for other uh, clients, or, or then go and work for someone as a coder or an app developer. W what you're giving me inspiration for is the third avenue which is often overlooked, certainly I overlooked it, in that we could potentially build apps and license those to Absolutely. companies. What's really amazing um, today, you can file um, a provisional patent application for about $65. And they're, they're, very, they're not difficult to write, but it gives you that perceived ownership, right? And that's what's important, and especially when you're licensing to another company. And sometimes you don't, you know, people think you need patents to, in order to license uh, an idea to a company. That's not true. It's that perceived ownership, and you can do that with the provisional patent application. So, yes, um, if you see an opportunity and you can pitch it the correct way, you show the, the big benefit of it and have, and of course, have a little of uh, IP, intellectual property behind you, such as a provisional patent application, any app developer can has the potential of licensing that to a, to a, a larger company that can help them get it out and still collect a very nice royalty from it. And the more work you do, the more work you have developed, the higher your royalty will be. So if they're not looking at that as an option, they, they should, because it's, it, it will give them the freedom to stay creative while, while still building an income stream. Yeah, in terms of my own uh, career, in terms of app building, I, I went through quite a creative phase uh, 2013. I was uh, churning out a lot of apps, um, almost about 80. And I started to think that some of these ideas would be very applicable to larger companies who have no app, or no presence in the smartphone world and no, no app to talk of. 
And, you know, either they could uh, advertise on the app or they could uh, take the app and then rebrand it as their own and, and almost in a way of giving back to their customers, clients, you know, and kind of having a fun app. So that's given me like uh, that, that idea and I, I should have probably pursued that a lot more. What I really like what you just said, uh, I like to look at it as, as really studying the marketplace, looking at the holes, looking at the opportunities. And I think you're absolutely right. A lot of these larger companies probably, if, if you look at their website, if you look at their marketing objectives, and how do you turn that into something, an app that a, their customers are going to want and, and use and benefit from, right? And by tying in those marketing objectives, tying in that with, with an application app, that's brilliant, right? So you'd be surprised, and I would be surprised that those type of companies would, would really love to see that type of creativity being applied to their brands. Absolutely. Yeah, so let's talk about a little bit of the specifics because uh, getting paid on royalties, how does it actually work? I love royalties. Um, <laughs> ro- royalties, um, it, it's exciting because there's no, there's no limit to it and it doesn't require your presence. It has that multiplying effect that I love so much and my father taught me that um, once it starts up, you know, any type of product that you're selling, and it doesn't matter to me what it is, um, there's no, there, there's, um, the sky's the limit, which I I like. Some products are going to go, are going to do extremely well, some maybe not, but the bottom line is, you're being paid for your creativity, and every time they're being sold, um, you're getting a royalty off each and every one. That could be a wholesale, could be a retail. It doesn't really matter. Your your royalties coming off of every if it's every click or if it's every time someone at the cash register rings that up, you're basically getting paid. So it's it's exciting for me. I love royalty checks. I love. It. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So this is, I mean, this has got me going now. Uh, I, I love, you know, the, where this conversation is going because uh, it, the app world is is changing and there, there are a lot of uh, opportunities for us in the way that uh, physical products are incorporating some kind of app in the way they work. So the easiest example is board games. And now there are a number of board games where you put your iPad in the middle of the board and that helps with the board game. You know, it kind of adds another dimension, whether it's some kind of question, trivial pursuit type thing or monopoly. And I'm almost thinking that we could write apps for an additional kind of like a, a, a almost like an extension of a physical product. But it makes that product a little bit more engaging. Well, it's that engagement that um, whenever you can interact with your customer such a way you've, you're building that loyalty, right? And the loyalty turns into repeat purchases. So I think that's very exciting if that's how, um, if that's how they're being used now. You know, talking about being creative and talking about how to use things, just by looking at things differently, turning them upside down, um, bringing things together, like you just said about a board game and incorporating that. I love that type of creativity and there's no end to it. So what's interesting, if you look at all the apps out there and there's quite a few today, yeah, you know, 
is there actually room for more? Absolutely, there's room for more. That's what's, <laughs> that's what's exciting. About yeah, it. I'm sure 10 years yeah. ago we said, that's enough websites, please. You know, we've got well, MySpace. <laughs> what do we need another it, MySpace for? <laughs> no, but um, everything always kind of changes, right? It evolves. That's, that's the constant here, which I really like. And who, who has the next big idea, right? So you have to get in the game to play. And that's what I like about licensing and about how to pitch an idea to a company. And do you have to fully put the, you know, do you have to fully build it out? Not necessarily. Um, great ideas can be pitched with one sentence, right? And once people realize they're, they're selling benefits always, they can pitch any product, any, I don't care what it is, with a, a sell sheet, it's a one-line benefit statement that's really strong, that really hits that potential licensee's um, customer base, and you can pitch it without developing as as far as people think, right? That That's the thing about, everybody gets tied up with the prototypes. They think they've got to build these things completely. And I'm saying, no, you don't. Show the benefit. That's how you pitch an idea. I don't care what it is. Show the benefit. And if you've got a lot of ideas, it's really a great way. You, you, you pitch the benefits, you file a provisional patent application, and you get them to those companies as fast as you can. Yeah, we could definitely take uh, on board a lot of that advice. I'm almost thinking of um, a chat that we had on this show uh, a while ago now with Drew Boyd, who uh, he was nominated as like uh, author of um, Inside the Box, uh, which was an innovative book uh, written last year. And, and he made us think of taking one uh, product or service that's working really well and then applying it to our industry somehow. Mm-hmm. And so I'm almost thinking that that's a really good way of, uh, you know, coming up with ideas and uh, then just applying it to our world, which is the app world. You know, it's interesting. Um, everybody thinks you have to reinvent the wheel. And that's not true. I, th- I think it's those small improvements. The breakthrough ideas, you don't see those too often. Those are, takes a lot of education and money and time. It's um, not thinking outside or inside. It's really thinking next to the, the box. I think... Um, some other people have, have coined it that way. It's a small improvement on existing ideas. And that, that, could, that philosophy could probably be applied to apps as well. Um, a lot of us try to, 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 to um, reinvent the wheel, and, and you don't have to. Um, no, that's, that's so good. And uh, that's the, I'm almost saying, like to myself, Paul, we need... Um, uh, maybe I need to write a book called Next to the Box. <laughs> Could be a good idea. <laughs> um, it'd be worth just um, trying to understand the products that you have actually licensed. I know that we haven't talked about that. And would you be able to pick one or two that uh, you could sure. talk about? I um, I started out in the toy uh, industry and had licensed a, a very um, indoor Nerf basketball game, and it was in the shape. The backboard wasn't square. It was in the shape of Michael Jordan. And I had uh, came out with that idea one day and sent it to a company the next day. And it sold for 10 years. I collected royalties on a a very inexpensive kids basketball game with the picture of Michael Jordan on the backboard. And it was called the Michael Jordan wall ball. And it sold for 10 years. The first year was $100,000 in royalties off an idea that probably took about 10 minutes. Um, I was hooked. Paul. Steve. <laughs> yeah. I was hooked. That is an amazing story. I was hooked. Um, my probably the the probably my biggest idea is an idea that 
I really didn't even invent. Someone else did. I, I thought I did. Someone else did 50 years ago. But I've collected royalties on that over the last 15 years and in, in the millions of dollars. And I still collect royalties from it. But I, I realized that it was such a great idea, but people didn't really understand how to manufacture it. So I started to, um, I jumped in an industry I knew nothing about. It was in the packaging industry. It's called a, a rotating label. We call it a spin label. And it's been on national brands such as Nescafe Coffee in Japan and Jim Beam here in the States and some other ones. But it was such a simple idea that, um, and it had already been patented by somebody else, but I dug a little deeper, figured out how to actually put it on packaging today at high speeds and collect royalties from that and uh, still enjoy a nice royalty stream from that idea. What's so, really refreshing about this, Stephen, in, in hearing you go through you know, your wonderful successes is that often we uh, apply our attention to what is in the media and where all the money is being made. And so over the last few years, there's been a lot of attention on these big apps that have, uh, you know, like WhatsApp uh, or other big apps that have been huge hits. And, and now an idea can be so quickly realized. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a team called OMG Pop. They created an app called Draw Something, which is almost like a copy of Pictionary on your app. And within nine days, they'd sold their company for over $100 million. <laughs> and uh, so we hear these stories, you know, like, yeah. and so, of course, there's a lot of attention and almost like we try and force our creativity down this road to try and emulate their successes. Is it worth looking at what's successful and just trying to copy it? Well, I think it's a good place to start. You know, I think we're always influenced, right? by other people's work but sometimes we're so influenced it's hard to think of something um that's fresh kind of i mean you're, you're kind of working from somebody else that's a good approach i think it's a good place to start and see where it leads right um sometimes we're too influenced and and that i think really hurts creativity right so i think you have to kind of put it up on the board and look at it and, and try to realize why it's popular there's you know everything has um if you look at play patterns, uh, like I said, I was in the toy industry and we would study children's play patterns. And then we would um, try to find variations of those play patterns, um, such as you know, like dressing up a doll, right? That's girls like to buy dolls and dress them up and pretend play. So starting from there, you kind of venture out and come up with other types of play patterns besides maybe clothes and other variations so and maybe other ways to apply those clothes or maybe those type of play patterns could be adapted to a physical doll but even even a doll that's maybe an app right so you're taking things that already exist and you're 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 changing them to to fit the technology that exists and I think yeah, we, we, we are in such a wonderful time right now because we can take these smartphones and we can apply a lot of the different features from the smartphones and uh, do some really creative things. Uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many different examples of hugely creative uh, apps that have come out and make use of the GPS, the location. Mm. Uh, we have this thing called iBeacon, which can pinpoint your your location within literally a, a few centimeters, you know, and uh, there's so many different um, uh, things that we can be doing. And, and what a great suggestion to take, you know, observations from what 
people are doing in the real world and then applying them to what we can do with an app? I um, Early on, I, I was working for a startup company called Worlds of Wonder. And there was a, a very smart um, gentleman there. His name was Paul Rago. And, and the way he would come up with ideas, he would find, I called them sleeping dinosaurs. He would find um, things that maybe existed and would polish them up a little bit or, or maybe bring technology to it. And his claim to fame was laser tag. And he took the game of tag and said, how do we, how do we add some technology to it? So these are all really fun, creative questions to ask yourself. I play these three games is what I do, how I come up with my ideas. And by playing with these three games, you never know what you're going to come up with. That's what's really magical about that creative process, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's the point where you just kind of go, wow, how did, that, how did that pop in my mind? How did I come to that conclusion? That's the greatest um, part of the whole process, in my opinion. Now, royalties are great, too, but it's that moment of ins- that something inspires you for you to come up with something that's, that's new and creative. It's fantastic. So, Stephen, I'd, I'd love to get some actionable uh, steps that we can take to try and emulate, you know, some of the successes that you've had in licensing. And I'm just wondering, you know, how you would suggest we approach uh, the corporations, the companies. Uh, clearly, you've said that one of the first steps is, uh, I guess, to, you know, kind of have a loose idea of what we have, maybe a, a sort of a rough idea of the prototype without it fully working uh, and then go for a provisional patent, sure. uh, which we can do uh, for £60 online. But what, what would we do after that? You know, I have a very different approach that really saves time and money. And you, you, you're, you're going to hear more and more of this. I think a lot of companies are doing this, especially startups. You test very, very quickly. And, and if you're wrong, you just you change it or go on to something else very quick. So how do you do that? Um, I do it with a sales sheet. It's a one-page advertisement of why you would care and with that sell sheet um, if the benefits are clearly strong enough that you can describe it in one sentence and that's kind of tricky but if you can that's a great way that's that's your selling tool by the way and that you can create in 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 a morning an afternoon in a day right that's what i really love about it you can file a ppa uh, very, very quickly. So you can do everything within days. I mean, we do it within an, in the morning, we can do it. And I can call a company in the afternoon to see if they're interested. So the speed of getting ideas to companies and say, hey, is there something there that you like? That's what I like about this. Now, a lot of us, especially a lot of people that love to build things, have a hard time with that because they want to build it, they want to test it. But the bottom line is all that technology is pretty much, there's a lot of technology out there. And if, and if there's enough interest, you will figure it out, trust me. But why why figure out all this bef- before you've, you've sold it? You know, why figure out all this before you know if there's interest? Even from a consumer using it, let alone a potential licensee to use it. So I'm all about testing the waters as fast as I can to see, hey, what do you think about this? And that from that point on, I might spend more money, more time developing, right? So I, so the, the, the one walk away, um, one thing that I want your listeners to take away from this, if this sounds too good to be true, um, 
you should have, you should tell, your listeners should go out and contact a company they think might be a potential licensee. Or better yet, call a company you have no intent of licensing your idea to. Call them up and tell them you're a product developer. Tell them you'd like to submit an idea to the company and ask them, who do you need to speak with? And you will find out how easy you can get into companies and how excited they are that you actually called. That, to me, really turns a light on a lot of creative people. They, they think it's more difficult or they think they can't get in and they think there's going to be people that are going to stop them. But the bottom line is, open, because of open innovation, tens of thousands of companies are looking for ideas. And once you realize that, now it's just you to come up with a good idea. It's as simple as that. Yeah, open innovation. I'm almost thinking that companies are looking to things like Kickstarter to see what's successful there, to to then uh, take away potential ideas. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of open transparency. Maybe what's putting people off of, uh, of almost being so open about their idea, do you feel like sometimes we mistakenly think, oh, I better not tell the world about this idea or mm. blog about it because someone's going to steal it? Well, um, I, I, I'm not, uh, you know, there's a lot of people have this fear and I think there's things to do to kind of kick the fear to the curb. And one of them is that provisional patent application where you can file anywhere in the world. You can file it in the United States for $65. It gives you one year to develop and put patent pinning on your concept, which is really a great tool. Number two, always keep a great paper trail of anybody you're communicating with, right? So that they can see that. That paper trail will hold up in court. It's, it's a great tool. I've been in federal court, and I know that those emails are very, very important. So always do that. Number three, don't share it with people that, um, um, with just anybody, right? And, and maybe have them sign an NDA. Most companies will not sign an NDA, and I don't know if they're that powerful anyway. But if you tease them enough, you show them the benefits of what you're going to do. Then, at, then if they want more information, you can get them to sign either if it's something someone's going to help you. It could be a work for hire agreement or it could be even uh, an NDA. So there's all these things that you can do to take some risk away. But better yet, find the company that you want to work with and, and look, see if they're user friendly, inventor friendly, product developer friendly and see what their attitude is. And if they treat you great the first day, most likely they're going to treat you great all the way through the process. If they treat you lousy at the first call, that's what basically you're going to get to. <laughs> and actually, that's the beauty of uh, the modern world is because Just we can, everybody's reachable now. And we could yeah. uh, easily go to Twitter and find uh, people that have been working with the company, uh, possibly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the other thing, too, don't, a lot of us want to strive for the biggest companies, too. You know, the license ideas to the biggest. That's not the best approach. Um, you can. But I think sometimes if you take it one step down a little bit, step it down to a, a number two or a number three, that, that, that's really looking for that next thing to push them over the edge, they'll embrace you. Yeah, yeah actually, uh, just in terms of sources, uh, there's a great website called Angel List. Angel List, and that, that is for uh, people potentially investing in startups. And there's mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of startups on there. And... I almost feel that, uh, that, that some of those are cash rich because they get a big injection of money from venture capital backed firms and from private angel investors. 
And uh, I guess they could, you know, they all publish their uh, product developer, lead, or marketing manager. So they're, they're very e- easily to approach uh, either LinkedIn or directly via email or on their website. Wow. What a great tip. You know, it, it, it's so much easier now to, to get to the right people. I was just at a conference and there was a, a room full of 250 industry experts. And it would have been very difficult to make those type of con- contacts. But going to a conference and listening to them, it's a couple days, you'd be surprised of the people you can meet and get to um, over coffee, over a donut, over a break. And that people need to realize that networking, that face-to-face is so critical at times and finding that person that can help help you bring your, your vision to, to market. So uh, LinkedIn, those things are great. Email is fantastic, but don't, don't um, getting together at some of these places um, that, that industry experts are gathering is really very, very important, especially face-to-face. Yes, often we overlook that and we hide behind our computers and, uh, <laughs> you know, of course. Uh, it's, it's, it, I, I do feel that even though, you know, I, I live in the digital dig, digital world, I mean, it's uh, important that we get out there and uh, network. And uh, I, I'm a big fan of that because I just love, you know, meeting. I, I, one of the reasons why I set this podcast up, Stephen, was because uh, I just wanted to meet people like yourself. And it's amazing, you know, the creativity that can come out over just a chat on a podcast. And I know that uh, my audience are getting a lot from this as well. So before we say goodbye, um, you know, is the one last thing that we do like to ask our guests is um, we try and flesh out an app idea. And we do that by asking about potential frustrations you've had in your business over the last uh, few months. If you can think of anything that you've been pulling your hair out, you know, just trying to get trying to get this thing to work or a frustration or a real pain point. And maybe we could just talk about that for the last few minutes and try and flesh out an idea. Oh, geez. Um, pain point in, in my business. Um, I, you know, I, Paul, I don't have one right off the tip of my tongue. Yeah, so I, I've got one. Okay. <laughs> you, at the start, the pre-chat, we, we were both uh, talking about how sometimes Skype can be so ineffective, it can cut out. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yes. Yes. You know, I do think that, you know, with all this modern technology that uh, perhaps we do need, you know, maybe a slightly more reliable thing than Skype. I mean, Skype is the thing that everyone's got, but I feel that sometimes we just need maybe something that is just a little bit more reliable and we pay, perhaps we can use that on our phones. Well, I think we need to get back to um, that type of... You know, getting back to a little bit more face-to-face, that's why I like Skype so much. I, um, and it is something I'm relying on more and more. See, I live in a beautiful location. I live up, up in Lake Tahoe. It's on a lake. and But I still want to be able to connect to people, and I still want to make it fast. And my tool today is Skype, and it, it has its issues. There's no question. Uh, I don't know why it does. It's not perfect. But the way to... Um, bring everybody together, especially my team. Um, I like to be able to do that more on the road um, because I do travel quite a bit and I don't like to bring a laptop everywhere I go to. So I bring my smartphone everywhere I go. Okay, so I've just had an idea. (laughs) This is completely off the wall, Uh, very futuristic, but uh, I'm laying claim to it right now (laughs) in this podcast. I think that um, we need the ability to 
uh, have a 3D printer attached to some kind of Skype uh, call. Hmm. And uh, that 3D printer very quickly creates almost like a disposable image, a 3D image of the uh, person's head. (laughs) And then a a motorized, uh, some motorized uh, device will actually uh, make the mouth move and and sync it up with the uh, voice. Uh, And then we have almost like a, a, a physical object that we're talking to in the room. I'll tell you, it's better than talking into a, a, a what my my phone. I mean, what, I'm talking into this. It, it's funny. That, yeah, it yeah. Because we don't you think we need to talk to someone that looks like you know more of a human yeah. being than just a microphone? Well, I, I think it's much better because there is a connection with that. And uh, yes, I would um, <laughs> like to bring my team together, and I, it's hard to do it on the road. So if they're if they're if they're all chatting at me, looking at me, it's it um it's my team i guess yeah it might be a little bit weird to start off with having all these 3d um images uh, <laughs> talking at you you know it might be something out of a horror movie but uh, i do think that uh, we as human beings love the physical features we connect more with a face and you know okay skype has video calling but it's a little bit two dimensional yes. and uh, it just we need we need to get back to 3d i would agree so, Stephen, it's been a wonderful chat, and uh, I'm busy. Uh, by the way, there's if you're happy with that idea, we're always welcome to do 50-50 split on the royalties. There you go. Uh, it's I'll, been a wonderful chat. Yeah. Put it together, and I'll start pitching it to companies. Well, yeah. Like you say, you don't need a working prototype. <laughs> you know, you need a sell sheet. That's all you need, so it's great. Yeah. Stephen, it's been wonderful. Thanks ever so much for joining us on the App Guy podcast. You know, you're welcome back anytime, and uh, you know, all the best with um, you know any more books coming. Oh, perhaps we could just ask you um, the, the best way to connect with you. Um, you know, it's interesting. I'm glad you asked that. Uh, I just put up a, a Facebook, always on LinkedIn, of course. It's a great, great way. Um, we just put a Facebook page. Finally, inventright.com. It's our. It's my. Um, one of my businesses, education, and we're on Facebook helping people at asking any anybody that's got a question. We're trying to get to all those questions and and having fun with Facebook doing it too. So, um, and I do have a new book coming out. I've only mentioned it once. I'm going to mention it twice, um, and, and to anybody basically, Paul. I'm, I'm writing a book, one simple idea on how to protect those ideas. That we're talking about today and how to do it in a smart way how to do it from a business strategy so you're not spending a lot of money you're doing it very very smart but it's that perceived ownership that's the next book well that's great and what i'll do is uh, anyone who's struggling to find those links i'll put them in my show notes for this uh, episode so just go to theappguy.co that's theappguy.co look for the episode it's episode 96 with stephen key and then all the links to uh, what we've been discussing uh, will be in there as well. Stephen, it's a real pleasure. And uh, I, I feel like I could have easily chatted to you for a lot longer. Um, but uh, I, I guess, um, yeah, all the best and uh, hope to uh, have another opportunity to speak to you soon. Thank you very much, Paul. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast.